Hey, welcome to the Living the Dream podcast. This is your host, Timmy Douglas, and the goal of this podcast is to create a community that inspires action, accountability, celebrates progress, and helps people make the right connections to take that next step towards their dreams and goals. If you're looking for any one-on-one coaching to pinpoint your purpose and start taking steps in that direction, make sure to contact me on my website, workwithtimmydouglas.com, or on social media. On that note, let's get into the show. All right, what's up, guys? Welcome back to another episode of the Living the Dream podcast. Today on the show, we have Dara Rosenbaum, who is the founding partner at Rosenbaum and Taylor. Dara, how are you doing? I'm doing great. Thank you. Good to be here. Of course. Great to have you. And we like to jump right in. So if you could start with telling us a little bit more about yourself and what you like to do for fun. That'd be great. Ooh, what I like to do for fun. All right. Well, we'll start with the, with the boring stuff. Um, so I'm an attorney I'm practicing in New York and New Jersey. Primarily business law, contracts, contract negotiations, litigation, and transactional. So lawsuits and also the paperwork. Gotcha. Um, what I like to do for fun, I've got a three and a half year old uh, who could not be more fun. So lots of uh, lots of book reading, lots of climbing, lots of playing in princess castles and all that kind of stuff. So that's keeping me pretty busy, but pretty happy. There you go. There you go. So you yeah. spend a lot of time with the three-year-old for fun. Yeah, Absolutely. <laughs> Gotcha. Yeah. I mean, some people say their kids aren't fun, so I'm glad that yours is. Oh, yeah. She's great. (laughs) Awesome. So how long have you been an attorney and what does your day-to-day look like? Is it just reading contracts all day or is it more like engaging with clients, negotiating contracts? So I would say thankfully it is not reading contracts all day. Uh, I've been practicing now for 22 years uh, and day-to-day, everyday looks different. Um, but a lot of engaging with clients. So a lot of what I do is business advisory services, uh, business strategy. I'm helping people draft contracts, negotiate contracts. I'm helping people with partnership disputes. I'm helping them with disputes with clients and customers and vendors. I'm helping them with disputes with, among owners. Um, so lots of dispute resolution, lots of you know writing and drafting for contracts and agreements. And also a fair amount of court work, so litigation, things where things have gone wrong and they can't be uh, they can't be negotiated, and we end up in court. Gotcha, gotcha. And do you have a niche clientele, or do you kind of serve all types of businesses? I would say small to medium sized businesses, um, but industry agnostic, so across the spectrum in terms of industry. But you know, I would say my passion really is small businesses. There we go. There we go. Well, awesome. Tell us a little bit more about your motivation. What gets you up and keeps you going every day? I love helping small businesses. I sound like such a law nerd, um, but but I am. I mean, that's what I like to do. I, I just, small business owner myself for 11 years now, and I, I just recognize how important small businesses are to you know the individuals who run them, to their families, to their friends, to their communities. So if I can jump in there and help either resolve a problem, prevent a problem, uh, get somebody to be more profitable, get somebody to be thinking long-term strategy or help them resolve a dispute, that's what I love to do. Gotcha. How to get somebody more profitable as an attorney. Talk about that a little bit. How do you go about doing that? So I've been practicing for 22 years now. I've seen tons of contracts. I've worked with tons of companies. And you start seeing a lot of patterns. You know, what happens in certain industries? Where are the pain points? So even if a a client comes to me or a prospective client comes to me and doesn't know where the pain point is going to be, I can generally predict it. Okay, here's where you, here's where the problem is going to be. Here's where you're, you know, here's where your process is not going to be, you know, cash as cash flow positive as you need it to be. Uh, you know, here's where your cancellation provision is it needs to be needs to be changed. And people just don't necessarily think of things until things go wrong. And to me, I say I'm a problem solver, but I'm also a problem finder. 
yeah. Uh, yeah, who wants to find a problem, but the problem is going to find you if you don't find it. So I'm happy to get in there and kind of figure out where the potential, you know, where the potential issues are going to be. Love it. So you're a big fan of helping small businesses. You mm -hmm. help them get more profitable, but also just prevent problems, find problems before they pop up, all that good stuff. You're yeah. also the founding partner at your firm. Mm -hmm. And so tell us how you picked your partner and what some of the adversity was when you first started your firm. I'm the luckiest person in the world. Um, I have my partner, my business partner, Scott Taylor, hired me in 2002. Uh, I was an associate working with him for almost 10 years. And we would joke around, you know, hey, if this was Rosenbaum and Taylor, you know, and not this larger firm, we could do things differently. And it just got to a point where we're like, you know what, let's do it. Um, and the partnership kind of happened very naturally. We also were able to take all of our clients and all of our matters with us from our old firm. So in terms of, you know, having, having work to do on day one, we were pretty set. I would say the adversity was not within the business itself. It was the learning curve, which is sort of what I try to help businesses with because I, I lived it. I've seen it until you go through it, you get a different perspective. So yeah. you know, even like the basic things, like, you know, how do you figure out, you know, who to go to, who, who does your payroll? How do you deal with HR issues? Do you need an employee handbook? What should that say? Uh, all those kinds of things that we dealt with that were just, you know, sort of unanticipated um, or at least, you know, we weren't planning on them in the beginning, you know, HR problems and hiring people and getting space and getting the IT set up, those kinds of things that nobody taught you in law school. Mm. Yeah, I got you. All the little um, business stuff that you have to be a generalist when you when you first get started in business. Exactly. Right? Mm -hmm. Exactly. You got to figure it all out or at least know who to go to for it. Yeah, absolutely. Have, have you ever seen Suits? Yes, I have. Not, not a lot, but I've seen a couple episodes. Yeah. Is that what your life looks like? <laughs> no. <laughs> First of all, I spend most of my day in jeans. So I'm, in court. I'm very comfortable, not nearly as fashionable as those people. Um, and I would say, you know, it's a lot, it is not, it's not as much drama. Um, gotcha. we try to be, you know, listen, my office, I try to be a real stress-free family friendly environment. Uh, the work is stressful. The environment shouldn't be so, um, and not as many, um, not as many personal issues getting into the workplace. Yeah. Also no attorneys who aren't actually licensed attorneys. <laughs> no, we don't have any of that either. <laughs> Awesome. Well, now we're going to jump into your dreams and goals. So tell us about your vision for your life and your firm. Vision for the firm is probably a maximum of 10 attorneys. Um, sort of, I like that personal size. I like to be personally involved with all the clients. I don't want to get too big. I like that family size. Uh, I really like to just expand and be a little bit more full service when it comes to, you know, when it comes to businesses, I like to kind of bring on somebody who maybe you can do intellectual property and those types of things, copyrights and trademarks. Um, so those are obviously very important. To kind of grow the firm, make it a little bit more robust in those areas. And then I think that, you know, to me, success looks like just enjoying my life, you know, having a good work-life balance, which I will admit is not easy and I don't do it very well. Um, but, you know, having enough resources to do what I want to do the way I want to do it and to spend time with family and friends. Gotcha. Gotcha. So you're really optimizing your firm, not for like, cash flow and exit, but for your work-life balance, doing the work that you enjoy, as well as spending time with those you love. Yeah, I think so. That's, that's probably how I put it at this point in my career. Yeah. Gotcha. 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 Yeah. What is the um, biggest barrier 
for you to getting to that point where you've just struck that work-life balance? Now, of course, work-life balance, it is a balancing act. It's never mm-hmm. you arrive and it's perfect, but right. what is kind of in your way right now? Me. <laughs> I, think, <laughs> I think I'm my biggest enemy there. And I think that's so true of a lot of small business owners and entrepreneurs is, you know, you you have that Superman, the Superman or Superwoman cape on and you're doing everything and you're trying to, you know, you just you're focused on growing the business. I mean, until I had my daughter, my business was my baby. Um, so I think that, you know, there are, I've learned over the years that delegating is really important and trusting people and finding the people who are, you know, who are going to be helping you grow your business, but it's hard. I mean, I think, you know, a lot of entrepreneurs out there can relate. It's hard to let go. You know, it's hard to give up the control. Uh, I actually have a business advisory group I'm a part of. And when I joined, they said, what's your biggest problem? I said, I'm doing everything, but what do you mean you're doing everything? Like I order the pencils. Well, that's just a metaphor. You don't, I'm like, no, no, no. I actually order the pencils. So Dara, do you order the pencils better than anyone else? Like, no. Like, why do you do it? I don't know. It just needs to get done and I do it. Like, is that taking time away from other things? Yes. So, you know, until you get somebody to shine that bright light on the things you've been doing, I'm like, oh, all right. I'm just, I'm sort of a control nut and I'm doing everything. Yeah. Yeah. I got you. And it's a hard thing to, especially when your business is your baby, it's a hard Mm -hmm. thing to let go of the stuff because- you feel like you want to protect what mm-hmm. you care about so much. Right. You know? So but you can't, but you can't do it all yourself. So you have to find people you trust. And like I said, I'm incredibly lucky with my business partner. We've been working together now, you know, over 20 years mm-hmm. and he's become family and we trust each other implicitly, but, you know, with, you know, to kind of expand beyond that circle and have people who worked with us and for us was sort of a, there was a trust factor there. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. It's so interesting that in life, it's like when you're holding on so tight to your business, that's going to be the very thing that like messes it up. You know, Mm -hmm. if you don't delegate and you choose to like be so meticulous, you're never going to be able to scale, never going to be able to get to where you want to be. Exactly. Exactly. You got to trust somebody at some point. Otherwise, you're going to be the size that you can be with your own hands. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Well, awesome. We talked a little bit about delegation. That may be it. That may not be it. But what are the top one to two skills that you need to develop right now to make your business and dream life come true? I would say delegation is important. Um, I think one of the things, I think an odd one, I think is going to be vulnerability. I think it, it my, my work life and my personal life really changed for me when I started opening up to people. And, you know, I don't have to have this facade of I've got it all handled. I've got it all taken care of. I know everything. Because when you start having those conversations with other business owners and other people and saying, you know, here's my personal struggle, here's my professional struggle, you know, here's where things aren't clicking for me, you start hearing from people like either they've been there, they are there, they know people who are there, they know how to help, they have a resource. So, in, you know, nobody's going to knock on my door, I realized, and say like, hey, I know you need help with this, you know, what can I offer you? Um, or like, you know, how can I help you? Do you want to go for a cup of coffee and tell me your problems? Like, that's not going to happen. So you have to kind of create that network and those resources. But I think you also have to just, in addition to kind of, you know, having that network around you, just to kind of tap into people and and show that vulnerable side of like, listen, I don't know everything and here's what I don't know. Here's what I do know and here's what I can help you with, but here's maybe what you can help me with too. So I think that, you know, I think delegation is big, but I think vulnerability just to kind of, you know, let people in so that they know what you need personally and professionally is huge. Gotcha. What helped you make the transition from not being vulnerable to vulnerable? Like what was standing in your way and how did you overcome it? I would say ego was staying in my way. I think, Mm -hmm. I think just the need to, you know, to look completely in control of everything and not to want to ask for help. 
Um, I, I had a friend many years ago, sort of morbid, that said to me, he goes, you know, your tombstone is going to read, here lies Dara, she's fine. Because your answer to everything, oh, I'm fine, I got it, I'm fine, I'm fine. <laughs> And it was, it was true. But, you know, once I started, I think the first time I kind of opened up to somebody and, you know, found a, a connection or found a you know, sort of a kindred spirit, like, oh, yeah, I, I've been dealing with that, too. Or, like, I have the same issue. Like, oh, like, you feel so much less alone. And it sounds so silly. But you get into some of these business groups and some of these networking groups or some of these conversations or meetings or dinners or whatever. And, you know, there's, there's a lot of bravado going on. There's a lot of, you know, here's what I do and here's how well I do it and everything. And I think that if you find those people who are sort of your people, who you can connect with and share with them, like, you know, listen, I'm having a tough day. This is what's going on, having an issue with this or or even just kind of, you know, breaking in and breaking the ice with like, so, you know, what, what are you guys doing about bonuses this year? Or, you know, hey, I hate the guy who's doing my copier. Who are you getting your copier from? Like, just ask for something to kind of, you know, kind of get your feet wet because I think that that's it, once I started, it was much easier. I feel like that tends to be how life goes. Yep. It's like I think that's true. you really get in your head about something, but once you start, it's really not that bad. Right. You get that first step out of the way. <laughs> yeah. yeah, absolutely. I agree. I agree. What are the highest impact daily actions that are going to tick the needle forward towards your dreams and goals right now? I would say short term is working on my to do list. So having priorities and having them focus on something. And uh, there was another there was a book I read. I wish I could remember exactly who wrote it. It might have been, might have been Mark Silverman. I can get that for you. Who uh, basically said, like, you know, here, here's your analysis of the things that you're doing. A, does it have to be done at all? Because there are things that we busy ourselves with that don't actually have to be done. Does it have to be done by me? And does it have to be done right now? So, you know, and that I think kind of helps me set my priorities and helps me delegate a little bit, but also helps me focus on like, what's the goal? Is what I'm doing is how I'm spending my day getting me toward my goal. So I think focusing on the short term and kind of knowing what the next goal is um, and kind of setting those interim goals helps me keep, keep very well focused. And I think accountability is huge for me. You know, having people around me who know what I said I was going to do and who are going to check in with me or call me out when I don't do it that's really, that's been really important to me because I think otherwise I can make excuses for myself and rationalize all day long and say, well, yeah, I didn't get to it. I'll get to it next week. And next week becomes next month and next year. And I've never done it, but you know, who's calling me out on it. So again, like just sharing those goals with somebody or sharing you know, like, you know, Hey, by the end of the year, I'm going to have done this, or I'm working on this initiative. I'm working on this product or this new service. You know, somebody come back to you going, Hey, how's it going? And then interim steps on the way. Cause you, you know, you're not going to just come out with a new product overnight, but you, if you kind of break it down into steps and know what your to-do list looks like to get to each of those interim goals, I think that's very valuable. Mm, yeah. I like that a lot. Let's talk a little bit about accountability. You mm -hmm. said that um, it's important to have people around you that know what you said you were going to do and mm -hmm. they check up on you and be like, Hey, how's that going? Do you think that's all there is to accountability or is there something else? Cause I feel like oftentimes we'll get an accountability partner. They'll check up on us and then we're like not held accountable to the action. So what are some of the core components of good accountability? I, I think, and I think you're right. I think that sometimes it's not enough. It's somebody who checks up on you and you say, no, I haven't done it. Like, okay. So I think that your accountability partner needs to understand and you can, you can coax somebody toward this, you know, are you on track or off track? And if you're not on track, why not? Yeah. You know, what is it that you need to do? Okay. So maybe we need to put another step in there. What is it that you need to do so that you can report back to me in two weeks that you've done this? Like, well, I'm spending too much time on this. Okay. We'll take that off your plate. 
So I think it's a, it's not just a check-in, it's a conversation. And it's a, it's really somebody kind of, you know, not I mean, calling out on it. Yeah. But more like pressing you, you know, it, it, uh, I, well, I haven't done that yet. I haven't, you know, yes, I said I was going to reach out to the accountant, but I didn't do that yet. Why not? It's like, you don't have a really good reason. You don't want to have that conversation every time with somebody to say, well, you know, I didn't do that, but I don't know why I didn't do it. You want to have a good explanation or, or at least have had or have done it. Yeah. So I think that having somebody who's going to kind of press and not just take your, no, I haven't done it. Okay. Let's check in again in two weeks. It's like, you want somebody who's going to coach a little bit and like, well, why not? You know, if you haven't done it, why haven't you done it? What can you do today to move yourself further toward that goal? Yeah, Absolutely. Do you think there is a respect component in there? Like if a complete stranger came up to you and pressed you, do you think it would be the same as not your business partner? Cause I, I feel like that would clearly be different, but maybe like yeah. if you have an associate hold you accountable, like would that be the same vibe or do you think there's a level of respect that's needed to make accountability more potent? I think, I think there absolutely needs to be respect and there needs to be a certain familiarity because somebody needs to understand what you're doing, you know, needs to understand you to a degree. It doesn't have to be a personal friend, but you know, kind of what makes you tick. How, why are you not doing the things that you say you're doing? Like somebody has to understand you. So you can't just pick, you know, you can't just pick an, an associate or a colleague and say, hey, hold me accountable. You really need to start with at least, you know, a lengthier conversation, have a cup of coffee or have a lunch and say like, listen, these are the things that I want to be doing. And here's, you know, here's what stands in my way. I'm a procrastinator or, you know, I'm, I focus on the details and I never move forward. Um, I explore options forever and I brainstorm, but I never actually make a decision. Whatever it is, somebody should understand what they're going to start seeing from you when you're not hitting those goals. But I think yeah, respect is huge. Cause I think if somebody who you don't respect is trying to hold you accountable, you're going to shirk it off. I got you. I got you for sure. And it, and it doesn't have to be a senior person. It doesn't have to be somebody in your industry. It could just be somebody whose you know, whose life or whose career you respect. And, you know, you can be, you can, you can be an accountability partner for them too. Yeah. I love it. What character trait do you most need to develop right now to make your dream life come true? I need to relax. <laughs> I'm not sure that's a character trait, but I, I, need um, I think I need to, you know, I, I do. I love spending time with my daughter. I need to find more time for fun. I need to kind of, and I hate to say it's like an action item on a to-do list, but it's that kind of thing where I just need to carve out more time where I say, you know what? Like, I'm not, I'm not going to build a business and, you know, this, this afternoon I'm going to do something else. So I think I did, I need to need to ease off the gas pedal sometimes. And I think everybody needs that to recharge. Would that more time for fun always be time with your daughter or do you have other yeah. activities in mind? No, I mean, I, I'm a spa goer. So give me a good massage or, you know, a good facial pedicure or something like that is, is real good for me. And I just love spending time with my friends. That to me is really recharging. So if I can, you know, spend an afternoon with friends over a long lunch and just, you know, kind of visit with them or walk around someplace or go see a show and happen to love theater, something like that, that just kind of recharges me and connects me with people. And, you know, I think so many people who are in business, whether you own the business, run the business, manage the business, or, or an employed by a business, get those blinders on where you're just focused on what you're doing. And I think sometimes you kind of like, you know, look around and, and spend some time with people who are not right in that sphere with you. You get a different perspective and you just, to me, it gets me energy. So I, I need to find more time for that kind of stuff. Yeah, I love that. That's so interesting because you are like, you've had the blinders on for a while and now you're trying to zoom back out and like, oh, I want to mm -hmm. spend some time with some friends, maybe some people who aren't in my industry and I'm not yeah. talking about work, all that good stuff. <laughs> yep. And I'm like younger in my career and I'm like, I want the blinders. I'm like, if you're not talking to me about business, don't talk to me. <laughs> right. 
and, and but but there will be and, but there will come times and I think you just have to be aware of them that like you know even if it's for like an afternoon you're like you don't have to not just mean that you don't want to do but at least kind of give yourself some because you're going to get more create you're going to get more creative the more things you're exposed to yeah and the more people you get involved with outside your immediate sphere the more opportunities come to you Absolutely. you know the more people who or or just a different perspective I mean it's so helpful I belong to this business advisory group. And it's so helpful to have people who are like in manufacturing or people who are in, you know, a totally like architects, people who are in a totally different professional services business or a totally different industry. Just listen to what's going on with my business and give me a perspective, you know, give me a perspective or advice or, hey, I've been there and this is what I did. I mean, that's really valuable. They don't have to be in my business, um, but they get in my business. So, so to speak. I got you. I got you. Yeah, yeah. yeah I, um, I agree. I like the fact that I have people around me that aren't necessarily business minded. Cause I think I would just 18 hours a day, just business, mm-hmm. like eat, yeah. sleep, eat, sleep, business, and just that yeah. over and over and over. So it is nice to like, that, that'll get you burned out pretty fast. So you want to get, you want to have some other people around you. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. For sure. I, I get angry about it sometimes, but I should be grateful. <laughs> yes, I, I think, I think you should. That's, that's a good thing. It's, it's good. To, balance is good. Right. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Well, if there are one or two people that you can meet right now, and this could be a specific person or a type of person, and they'd really help you take that next step in your business, in your life, who would that person be and how would they do it? Oh, that's a good question. I like that one. That's a, that's, that's a new one. I don't hear that one very often or <laughs> before. I would say I, I love meeting business coaches. Um, I, I, you know, I work with business coaches and they're kind of in my, you know, in my world, but it's always so great to meet somebody who has just a different perspective, who's lived a different life, who's done something different um, because they, they just have a new, a new viewpoint. And that's really helpful to me to see like a you know, bigger picture. You know, somebody will bounce on, you know, somebody will say to me at my, my advisory meetings, like, well, you know, have you thought about doing this instead of that? You know, what if you expanded to offer these services? Huh, that's interesting. What if you did this a different way? What if your pricing structure were different? What if you, because they're coming at it from like, let's say, for example, a, a, you know, a distributor or products so are going like, well, wait a second, you know, I would look for this kind of margin and here's what I would look for on my books. And I'm like, I never looked at it that way. So I would say like a really solid business coach who can, you know, just kind of inject that new perspective or it's just sometimes, sometimes inject that new energy. I mean, I think, you know, I've always said it before, I come up with brilliant ideas by myself at, you know, two o'clock in the morning in a room sitting at my desk. Um, but, you know, when they get the light of day on them, somebody says, well, what about this part? Like, All right, I didn't think about that part. So you need, I think you need to open yourself up to those kind of inputs and, and meeting, you know, I love meeting smart people. So the smart people who love what they do, who are successful at what they do and are passionate about it. I get so much energy from them. And I just, it, to me, I get, I get so much inspiration from them too. Yeah. Absolutely. I, um, one of the things I love about what you said is like, you love meeting smart people who are passionate and successful about what they do. Mm-hmm. And something I've noticed in life is just like the quality of people that you hang around, like really, really impacts you like way mm-hmm. more than you think it does. Mm-hmm. And it's so important. Like the, qu- it's funny because I'll, sometimes I'll zoom out of my life and I'll be like, who are the, the people that I'm even contacting every day. So I'll look at my life. I'll be like, maybe I'm not happy with where my finances are at or my relationships are at or whatever it may be. And then it's like, well, if I'm cold calling every day and I'm cold calling people who are like this kind of person versus this kind of person, it's like, why are you just 
choosing to associate with people who aren't of the quality that you want to be at. Like that mm -hmm. just doesn't make sense. So I really like your highlighting high quality people who love what they do and are passionate. Because you can learn. I mean, you know, I have clients who are, you know, graphic designers. I have clients who are documentary filmmakers. I have clients who run wedding venues. I have lots of clients in the construction and property management space. Learning how they run their businesses and what their journey has looked like. You always pull something from them. They don't run a law firm. They don't, they're not lawyers, but you pull bits and pieces and kind of take what you can from them and give what you can to them. And to me, that's kind of the best exchange. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Awesome. Well, now we're going to jump into our thriving three. Okay. First question is, what's your favorite book, movie, or podcast? Pick one. I love my podcast now. <laughs> I do a podcast called Compelling Conversations where law meets business, a little plug. Um, but I would say, honestly, one of my favorite movies is The Few Good Men. Um, I love those courtroom scenes. I think Jack Nicholson's an amazing actor and my family spends way too much time quoting that movie. <laughs> <laughs> what's your favorite quote from that movie? Oh, there are so many. Um, I mean, you can't handle the truth as a classic one. Uh, yeah, that's the only um, one I could think of. <laughs> you know, I, I love, I love that exchange when Noah Wiley's on the stand. He's asking him, like, well, you know, where in this book, you know, where in the Marine Corps manual does it show you how to perform a code red? He's like, well, it's not in there. Mm. Tom Cruise does this cross examination where he's like, or further examination where he's like, well, well, show me in here where uh, where this shows where you where the mess hall is. It's like, it's not in the book. Like, well. You know, then what do you, you mean the whole time you've been a Gitmo, you've never had a meal? Oh, no, sir. Three squares a day. How'd you know how to get there? Just followed the crowd at chow time. I mean, that, that exchange, I think, is very witty. Um, yeah. And I think it's just, you know, the creativity sometimes of those cross examinations is a lot of fun for a trial lawyer to look at. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Especially being a trial lawyer. I bet you understand yeah. it with some nuance. That's awesome. I, I've never tried anything in military court. That is not my, my, not my domain. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I got gotcha. you. No court marshals for me. <laughs> Awesome. Well, what is one way you like to take care of yourself? I like to spend some alone time. Um, spa afternoons are great for me. You know, like a massage and that little relaxation room where they give you like, you know, dim lighting and soft music and, you know, no phone. Um, I just like that alone time to kind of just sit in quiet because I think my life for the most part is not terribly quiet. Gotcha. Gotcha. And what is one action step you can take right now or continue to take if you're already doing it to meet more business coaches that can expand your mind I, I talk to a lot of people and I, I really do I talk to a lot of people um I network pretty well and I think I'm pretty discerning about who you know network with I'm not you know I'm not snotty about it but I just kind of try to figure out who you know who's gonna be the best connection for me and who am I gonna be the best connection for because it really is a two-way street and I ask people you know who they learn from and and it could be who they learn from in you know in, in person or you know, an actual business coach or who they're reading, what podcasts they're listening to, you know, what's inspiring them because you pull a lot of things from there. So even people who are in totally different businesses who are like, oh, this is guy on a podcast, you really got to listen to Timmy Douglas. I mean, he's really, you know, he's really, he's really saying some great things or you got to read this book by so-and-so because this is really, that really struck me in a good way. I think it's really, I think that's really helpful for me to keep doing. Love that. I really like what you said about networking. You said, I'm good at identifying who's going to be a good connection for me and who I'm going to be a good connection for. Mm -hmm. So I want to dive a little deeper into that. Yeah. When you are, what criteria do you use to make that determination? And how do you go about following up with those people to mm -hmm. keep and maintain and build the relationship? I'll, I'll answer, me, answer the second part first. I think I, I like to be thoughtful about things. So, you know, you don't want to make a new network. I think it's classic. You don't want to make a new networking connection to ask for something. 
Um, you know, that's not the, you know, the immediate like, oh, hey, can I get you on the phone to do it? I think once, if you meet somebody, whether it's organically or it's gonna be more of a formal networking environment, you wanna look for opportunities to reach out to them that are na more natural. Hey, I saw this article I thought you might like, or like I saw this industry thing. And, and you may be listening, you may be looking for that. You may be looking up an article to send for that purpose. Or you may want to let them know like, hey, I had an interesting matter the other day that I was working on. I was working with a new client or I was working on, hey, I had an interesting conversation with somebody that I, I maybe think of you. Um, you could provide somebody with a resource. You can send somebody a book recommendation. I think being of service to somebody or being of use to somebody makes an impression. Mm -hmm. You know, if you have a conversation with somebody and they mention a book they really enjoyed, you know, if it's an important contact for you, you know, maybe send them a similar book, you know, a book that you like that is sort of similar that you think they might like as well. Those kind of things, you know, it doesn't have to be material, but I think that helping people in some way and being a resource for them, offering to do that something for them, offering to make an introduction for them, those are the kinds of things that I think really kind of stand out in people's minds. Because I think all too often networking is check the box. You know, I met somebody, we connected on LinkedIn, you know, this person's now, now in my world. And it just, you need so many more touches than that to have a sincere connection because, you know, I don't want to refer business to somebody whose name I saw on LinkedIn, who I connected with, and I know nothing about them. It's going to reflect poorly on me if I, if I recommend somebody who somebody has a bad experience with. So I think those kind. so in terms of the criteria, I want people who really seem genuine. I mean, I think if somebody comes across as too much of get the sale, close the deal, and that they're contacting me or our exchanges always seem to be about that, it feels, it just, it just doesn't feel like a good connection for me. There's a, a speaker I heard recently who talks about sort of this, or there should be an organic switch in the conversation. You know, if somebody's talking about themselves and they've kind of, you know, introducing themselves and you're having a discussion and then they pause and say, like, well, let's, let, let's talk a little bit about you. And they kind of, you know, they want to hear about you as opposed to just making it all about themselves. That's a good networking partner for you. That's somebody who you want to get to know better. Somebody who just delivers you the sales pitch or the elevator pitch to me is not somebody I want to continue a relationship with because they don't know anything about me and they don't seem to care anything about me, which I mean, it's not, I don't care if it doesn't hurt my feelings, but you know, I, I can't, if, if they don't know what I can do or who I know or what I do, it's very difficult to have that back and forth of like, you know, what can we do for each other? And not every relationship is going to be two-way street. Some of them are going to be a one-way street for a period of time. And then you're going to find that, you know, it's been two years and this is somebody you've known and you've run into at industry things, or you've been following their podcast, you've been listening to their, their you know, speeches or reading their articles. And then you find that opportunity and you're like, hey, you know what? There's a lot of, I, I play a lot of a matching game. It's like, you know, okay, who, who do I know who, could, who maybe should meet somebody else? Even if it doesn't benefit me, I like to make those connections because I think that that helps me. First of all, it helps them and I like helping people, but it also, I think makes me stand out because it's like, you know what, Dara didn't get anything out of that. She introduced me to somebody who I could potentially do business with, or I could potentially learn from, or, Hey, that person has a charity that really resonates with what I like to do. So that was a good connection for me. Mm, yeah. I like that a lot. So correct me if I'm wrong, but this is kind of what I'm hearing. There mm -hmm. is a, organic relationship that needs to take place you don't come into the relationship and ask you come to the relationship with the idea of i'm going to add value and it's mm -hmm. not just an add value once it's multiple touch points and it can be small points of value like celebrating or wishing them a happy holiday sending them a card or yeah. getting them a book that they like or mm -hmm. showing up in some way in their life however you can 
or making a connection, sending a referral, stuff like that are yeah. kind of the ways to add value and maintain the relationship. And one of, and one of my tips is to take notes. So if you know, you know, you, you're talking to somebody and you find out that they have a wife and three sons, you know, in your, con you know, wherever you do, in your outlook, wherever you do, make that note, you know, because then we can talk to them like, you know, hey, how, how, how's your family? How are the boys doing? You know, or somebody says like, hey, my my, my, oh, my daughter's going off to college for the first time. It's like you, you can, you know, you're not going to be able to stop her, but you want to at least, you know, something that you remember somebody, this person stands out. Um, and it's a good reason to contact somebody. So, you know, somebody is, you know, a Vikings fan and, you know, Vikings have a great game. You might want to shoot them like, you know, hey, so, you know, I saw that score last night. There's it, it, just a, yeah. it makes people feel important. And I think it's, as long as, the, as long as the reach out is genuine and you genuinely care, you're not just like, you know, checking off the box you're genuinely looking to make that connection. I think those are the kind of things that matter. You don't, like I said, you don't have to send gifts and those kind of things. You might want to do that when it's an important contact, but, you know, just remembering, you know, that somebody had a big something coming up, you know, Hey, I know you're taking that real estate exam. Good luck. And you can put those things in your calendar. You can, you know, set those, you know, set delayed delivery for things. So, you know, that somebody's having something coming up in two weeks, write the email, set it on delayed delivery. It'll go. You won't even have to think about it. Anyone have to remember that somebody had something coming up, but they'll get that note from you. Gotcha. Gotcha. Great, great networking tips. Tell me a little bit about um, going back to the picking the right contact and becoming the right contact for somebody. So mm -hmm. I think I was networking about a year ago and I just realized that my networking was going to be obsolete because I had no vehicle to exchange value. Like I was trying to network in the real estate space, but I wasn't doing any real estate deals. Okay. Made it really like I would build a relationship with people, but then I would have no um, way to further that relationship because I had no vehicle for value. So speak to that a little bit. I would say that you know, you can always find a way to, to add value and, and people love to teach. So if there's somebody who you really respect, who you, you know, listen, I'd love to, you know, it, you know, can I buy you a cup of coffee? I'd love to take like 30 minutes of your time and just kind of pick your brain on something or, you know, because there, and there'll be people who turn you down, but I think if you don't ask, you'll never know. Because there are, I was surprised at the number of people who are willing to be helpful and the number of people who are willing to turn around and say, you know what, Timmy, like, actually, you know, I, I probably can't help with anything, but I know there's somebody who you should talk to. Um, and if you don't make those connections, you're never going to get those. So, you know, yeah, it's that classic. It's not what you know, it's who, you know, but I think you have to find a way to, to add value somehow. So is there something else that you do that would be complimentary to somebody's real estate business? Is there somebody who, you know, or some event that you're invited to, or some group that you belong to that could be, you know, useful to somebody? Is there an introduction you could make? Hey, you know, you're not really doing much in the real estate space, but is there somebody else you know who is? Um, I think that joining groups where those conversations are happening, you don't have to be the biggest voice in the room. You're going to sit there probably for the first however long and listen a lot, but you can absorb a lot. So I think that, you know, putting, and, you know, eventually, you know, you're in a meetup group or you're on an online discussion or you're in a book discussion group or you're in a local chamber of commerce activity, the more people meet you and see, you know, somebody's going to be like, hey, what are you doing? Tim, what have you been up to? Like, well, I, I'm kind of looking to break into real estate. Like, oh, really? Okay, we might have an opportunity for you. So the more you're there, where whether, where the, whether the there is virtual or in person, the more you're on people's radar. And you have to be on people's radar for good things. So you don't want to be the guy who's like, you know, hey, I want to see if you have anything, any work for me. You're like, you know, hey, can I, you know, can you tell me about this? And can you give me this information? And how do I do this? 
you want to be somebody who is absorbing and listening. I think people really respect that, that you're, you genuinely want to learn. Yeah, absolutely. And I like the absorbing and listening there. Cause when you can listen well and you can make people feel heard, that's mm -hmm. often the greatest amount of value because it's such a human need to like oh, yeah. feel absolutely. heard, feel understood. And, and you realize by the way that you realize people really like to talk about themselves. So <laughs> if you're, if you're going to be a good sounding board for that, you're, you know, that you're doing, you're already doing well. Yeah. You know, but if you go, you start going to things that are, like you said, you know, kind of in your industry or in, you know, whether it's a conference or an afternoon or some kind of networking event, like I said, Chamber of Commerce is usually a pretty good place to find those types of things. People have, you know, go to meetups all the time now where they just sort of look for like-minded people who, and listen, you're going to, you know, there are going to be ones where you completely strike out and go like, this is not my, these are not my people. This is not my group. But if you find a place where you're comfortable and you feel like, okay, this is, this is the next step for me. These are the, these are the kind of people who I want to learn from. That's a great place to be. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Well, we got our final series of questions now. Okay. These can get a little bit personal. So sure. if you are like, I don't want to answer this, just say, I want to pass. I'll be like, okay, cool. And then we'll move. Okay. All, All right. right. The first one is what is one limiting belief that continues to pop up in your life? If any. I'm not good enough. I think that, that that imposter syndrome is huge. I think for a lot of people, but I think there's times when I look around going like, you know, do, do what like, are people looking at me and thinking I don't belong in this room or are people thinking and looking at me and thinking I don't belong in this conversation. And, you know, it, it's great when I get that reinforcement from somebody who says, you know, Hey, you know, that was a great idea you had, or, you know, we love hearing, having your experience here. But I, for myself, really have to work on understanding that my self-worth comes from me and not from somebody telling me I'm doing a good job or I'm valuable or I'm smart or I'm talented because I have to have those beliefs in myself. And I think that, you know, that's something that creeps up for me is like, you know, is that, is that, you know, is that feeling justified? Is that, you know, is that pride justified? Yeah. Yeah. I got you. Where do you think it comes from your imposter syndrome? I just think that, you know, I don't know. I mean, I, I really don't know. It, it doesn't come from childhood. It doesn't seem to be any like incident in my life that it comes from. I think a lot of people struggle with it. I think, you know, when you look around and you, and, and I think that's part of the vulnerability component we talked about earlier is like, you know, if you realize that the people who you think have it all together, don't really have it all together. And then everybody's struggling just as much as you are in some area of their life for some reason, or they have struggled it makes you feel like, okay, you know, I'm not, I'm not in a room of super people. Um, they're not all superheroes. They, they, you know, they kind of have those chinks in the armor. Yeah. Yeah. Correct me if I'm wrong, but I kind of heard you saying that imposter syndrome can stem from a lack of vulnerability. Did you kind of make that connection or was that not it? I, I would say that it, because, because you don't realize what other people are going through, you know, you don't realize that other people feel the same way that other people feel like, you know, they're kind of playing dress up a little bit sometimes, or they're a little too far, you know, they've extended themselves a little too far, far out over their skis and they're a little bit, they're pushing the boundary kind of, of, you know, pushing themselves a little bit farther than maybe if you don't realize that everybody does that. And that at some time, everybody's been in a room, no matter how powerful they are or how experienced they are, somebody's everybody's been in a room where somebody made them feel intentionally or just by being there that like, you know, um, I need to be better than I am. To, I want to be more like that. Yeah, absolutely. Do you have any actions 
that reinforce this limiting belief. So you have the belief, I'm not good enough. You have imposter syndrome. Then you have some thoughts from that belief. You have some feelings from those thoughts. And then you act based on all of that. Any of those in your life? I try to fake it, honestly. Like, I don't, I mean, I'm sharing it with you, obviously, and all your listeners. But, um, you know, I, I don't, it's not something that I think comes across. I think people gen- genuinely see, or generally see me as very confident. And um, they, I don't think they would expect that I would give that kind of answer. So I think that there is a certain element of fake it till you make it. Um, there's a certain element of, you know, yeah, there are people who I'm very vulnerable with. There are people who I open up to. There are people who I'm very close to professionally or personally who kind of know those things about me. But everybody else gets that, you know, gets that superhero facade because that I think is, you know, that's that's what kind of I don't know if it makes me me, but that's what makes me comfortable. And that seems to be working for me. Yeah. Yeah. So the superhero facade makes you comfortable. Well, because this way, I, you know, I don't want everybody looking at me thinking like, you know, I, I don't I don't want everybody to understand all my vulnerabilities. I mean, they're you know, they're there are things that I share with a select group of people. Gotcha. You know, you, you, you want to be on the phone with all, you know, you wouldn't want to be on the phone with a, with a contact or a client and, you know, metaphorically getting on the, on the therapy couch and going like, well, here's where I, here's where I think I went wrong. And here's what I think I'm doing wrong these days. And here's how I'm feeling. You're not going to have those conversations with everybody. Yeah. Yeah. There's a time and a place. And exactly. exactly. And a person. Yeah. And a person. Yeah. Yep. Absolutely. Well, if you were to change that limiting belief, the I'm not good enough, the imposter syndrome into an abundant phrase that really mm-hmm. spoke to your heart. What would that phrase be? These are really insightful questions. I'm liking these, Timmy. <laughs> Thank um, you. I would say I'm here for a reason, you know, and wherever that is, you know, here, not just on this planet, but I'm here in this room. I'm here in this business. I'm here at this table. I'm here in this conversation for a reason. I think that's very, that's something that I remind myself of, you know, and that I, you know, I think listening and absorbing is important when you're learning, but listening is a, and absorbing is also really important when you can just take a second to realize that like, you know what, I'm contributing to this conversation. I'm helping somebody. I am, I have the expertise. I have the mastery. I have the knowledge and I know how to convey it. And there's no reason for me to feel like I shouldn't be here. There's no reason for me to feel like I'm not, you know, that I'm not good enough because, you know, if I think about it and I think about all that I've accomplished and I think about, all, you know, who I am, I am. So I think that sometimes you just have to kind of fight that belief in yourself, you know, fight, you know, fight that limiting belief or fight that imposter syndrome. And so like, you know what, let's think about it critically. And if, and I also like to think about like, if, if, if somebody came to me, if, if I came to me as if I was my own friend and said like, listen, you know, Hey, I'm Dara. And I just don't think that I'm doing this right. And this like, are you kidding me? And I think that if you treat yourself like your own best friend, that's obviously a huge, a huge step toward treating yourself kindly. Yeah, I've heard that a lot. And I was like, man, I will go to the ends of the earth for people like Mm -hmm. straight up. If you ask me to do something, I'm there and I'm doing it to the best of my ability. And I'm really trying to help you out. And Mm -hmm. it's like and then there are times where I get so down on myself that I'll I'll put myself out for like 30 minutes. Like I'll I'll need 30 minutes to like reset my emotional like well-being so I can go Mm -hmm. function in the world. I'm like, that's just because you were being so mean to you. Like that's literally right, why exactly. that just happened. I mean, would you, right. Would you, would you tolerate somebody talking to you the way you talk to yourself? Yeah. Just no, no, no way. No, I mean, <laughs> and, and no one, I get asked all the time, like, you know, why, why are somebody, why is everyone else so much more important? You know, why do you care so much more about how everybody else's day is going and, and helping them meet their goals and everything like that? You got to take time for yourself. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. 
Awesome. Well, you alluded to this a little bit, but when the limiting beliefs start to take over, you said sometimes you have to fight it. What thoughts or actions do you resort to in order to take back control? I try to look at things objectively. Like why, you know, why would I feel like I don't belong at this table? And sometimes it's, well, nobody at this table looks like me. Um, I'm younger than they are. Um, they're all male. They've all been in the business for long, for longer, whether it's men or women. Like there are certain times you get into, into circumstances and places you're going like, yeah. And I started my career as a lawyer when I was 25. So there were plenty of rooms that I was in where somebody assumed I was legal support or I was the court reporter or I was the secretary. Nothing wrong with being any of those things, but you know, you just, you don't want anybody to talk down to you, no matter who you are. And it's something that I've taken with me on just a total side point as I have just taken that with me is I don't care who anybody is, everybody's valuable, everybody's important. And I, if somebody comes in for an interview at my firm, I always ask the receptionist, like, how was that person? How did the person treat you? Because if you don't treat everybody properly, then I don't want you in my world. Um, but I would say that one of the things that you need to do, I totally lost your question. What was that question again? <laughs> just uh, <laughs> when your limiting beliefs start to take over, what thoughts or actions do you resort to? To take back. I would say just looking at it objectively, you know, look at like objectively, why don't I feel like I belong here? You know, what, what is it that's making me feel that way? And what can I do about it? You know, do I need to bone up on some piece of information? Do I need to learn something better? Is there something I need to read? Is there a course I can take? Is there somebody I can talk to who can, you know, explain this to me better so that I don't feel like a fish out of water in this circumstance. And I think when you start realizing like there's nothing I need to do, I just need to start believing in myself more. And I need to kind of you know, bone up on my confidence, it really helps you to understand that like, listen, there's no reason, there's no, there's no objective reason you feel that way. There's no objective reason that you feel like you, you know, you don't belong in this conversation or at this table metaphorically or not. That, you know, there's no real reason for it. And if there's a reason for it, then figure it out and fix it. Exactly. That was what I say. That's what's beautiful about looking at it objectively. Like I've been selling insurance, making cold calls. And it's like, haven't sold a policy yet. It's been about three weeks. And it's like, maybe you suck and maybe you can get better. Like <laughs> you've only been doing it for three weeks. It's okay right. to suck at three weeks, you know? It's okay to suck for a long time, but you know, but you start going like, okay, what do I need to do? But like, maybe I need to run my, you know, maybe I need to run my pitch by somebody who's done this before and they're going to see, they're going to find a, something in there that, you know, maybe I need to figure out how to overcome this particular objection I keep getting, or maybe I just need to, you know, maybe I'm calling the wrong people. Maybe I'm focusing in the wrong market. There's all sorts of things that you can look at. But when I think, when I think when you approach it as a, an external problem, like there's something that need that you need to do differently, not somebody you need to be differently. It makes, it makes all the difference because you need to look at it as a problem that you can solve. Not that you need to fix yourself. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I like that a lot. We got one last question for you. Okay. And I want to frame this next question. Do you know who Alex Hormozy is? I don't. Mm -mm. You should look him up. Okay. He is, he's a beast. Okay. But <laughs> he said that the difference between manipulation and help is intent. And I think his point here is that you're influencing people in both situations, but manipulation is about getting somebody to do something you want them to do, while help mm -hmm. is about seeking to understand what somebody else wants and then helping them get there. Mm -hmm. Now, this question is going to be about helping, not manipulating. Okay, got it. There's a common saying that you can lead a horse to water, but you can't make it drink. I actually found out from Dr. Alan Leica, who was a guest on the show, that you can make a horse drink. You just have to salt its oats. Oh, okay. Very, okay, there you go. You create, you create the thirst. <laughs> yep, absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. Now, 
I want you to think of a person with a really fixed mindset, not willing to accept help, not willing to accept change, but they also hate their life, not happy with where they're at. Mm -hmm. How can we, you and I, create an environment to salt their oats and help them change their life? I would, I would start by asking what their goals are. You know, what, what, what do they want? What, you know, what is, what does great look like? What does success look like? What does happy look like? And then, you know, what do you need to change to get there? And it may be things, listen, there may be, there are people who say, this is where I'm going to get to, and this is what I need to change to do it. And I'm not willing to make the change. And I think there are sometimes, you know, you, you find a horse that, you know, the horse can be super thirsty and they're still not going to drink. They're not going to drink. Yeah. Or they're just not ready to drink yet. I mean, I just to continue the metaphor. You know, there are people who I've, you know, made suggestions to in a business context where I think that this is something that, you know, here's how I would do it. And I'm like, nope, not going to do that. We've never done it that way. We don't do it that way. That's not our way. Totally understand. Not a problem. Let's do it. So you have to meet people where they are and, and be willing to accept that, you know, yes, you may think, and you may be wrong, but you may think you know what they need to do and how they need to do it and how they're going to be so much happier and so much more successful and just be better people if they just do it because you know what the answer is. Well, you may be wrong, first of all, so that's a little arrogant, but also like that might not be the answer for them. And then maybe the answer would be, it's the answer five years from now or five months from now or five days from now. So you have to be, you know, if you're going to truly help somebody, I think you have to meet them where they are and be willing to support them through the changes that they're willing to make or the analysis that they're willing to do or the thought process that they're willing to undertake. And, you know, just be supportive for you know, what success means for them. You know, you may look at somebody and say, like, listen, I can change your life if you just start doing these things differently. And I'm like, I wanna do that. I don't need that life. That's not the life I want for myself. Yep. So I think asking people what their goals are and how you can support them in reaching those goals and kind of doing a little exploration there have to ask a lot of questions because otherwise you're just imposing what you think success looks like and what you think they should do. And I think that's when you get the people, that's when you get those horses for going, mm -mm, not thirsty. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. No, I completely agree. I think it's so important to meet them where they are and mm -hmm. then like be in it with them because yeah. somebody said they were on the podcast probably a couple of weeks ago. They were like mm -hmm. relationships over time change people. Sure. Like that is like, what so being in it with them and like standing in that space with them, meeting mm -hmm. them where they are, supporting them through the change and loving them if they don't. Absolutely. It's like key to that. So absolutely. I love that's that's a great I like that. I like the way you put that. Awesome. Well, Dara, that is all we got for you. Is there anything else you want to chat about before we sign off? No, this was terrific. This is very thought provoking. This is a very interesting interview. I really enjoyed this. Of course. Yeah. Happy to do it. Happy that you enjoyed it. I did very much. Awesome. And what's the name of your podcast one more time? Compelling Conversations Where Law Meets Business. Gotcha. And if people wanted to reach out to you, would they go listen to the podcast, go to your website, LinkedIn? I would say LinkedIn is probably the best way to find me. Um, just my name on LinkedIn. I'm on LinkedIn pretty frequently. Um, love learning about people, like I said, connecting with smart, passionate people who are doing what they love, even has no connection to me. I love to kind of have those, you know, I'd love to have those conversations because I do play that matching game where it's like, you know, where I pick up the card, like when's the last time I saw a strawberry, I should introduce the two strawberries. So I, I like to make those connections, even if it has nothing to do with me. Yeah, absolutely. There you go. Well, if you loved what Dara had to say, if you loved her vibe, make sure to check out her podcast, connect with her on LinkedIn, all the ways, all the links to find her will be down in the show notes below. And yeah, Dara, thank you for coming on the show. Thank you, Timmy. This is great. Of course, guys, thank you for watching. We will see you on the next one. And on that note, we're out.
Guys, thanks for listening. Make sure to reach out to our guests and help them accomplish their dreams and goals if you resonated with them. If you're looking for any intentional masterminds or one-on-one coaching to accomplish your dreams and goals, make sure to check out the website, workwithtimmydouglas.com, and contact me either there or on social media. That's all I got. Have a blessed day.